I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow, who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. I don't know, I don't know where to start. I know that we we there's a there's a lot of different places that we could start today. I feel like I have to start with John Sterling. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to start with John Sterling. And this is, by the way, this is not to make fun of John Sterling. I feel this like is- it kind of is. I feel like because I, I, I feel like kind of is because if we're being honest, if if this podcast were a kill on the Serengeti, right, mm-hmm. and we're just a pack of hyenas. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you're the hyena that's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll start at the antler here. I'm going to just chew on the antler. There's a lot of other meaty portions that we could dive into, but you want to mm-hmm. start at the antler. And you know what? Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate so, that. That's why uh, I love you. <laughs> I just, I, I want to I celebrate John Sterling <laughs> is what I want to do. I want to celebrate him. So uh, oh. I'll, I'll just start with this. Let me, let me paint the scene. Let me paint the scene, Dallas. <laughs> So I was, uh, <laughs> the Red Sox had a one o'clock game yesterday. Um, got the dub, knocked Eddie around, which was sad. You know, I miss Eddie, whatever. Um, so they got a one o'clock game. So that kind of opens up my night a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, so, you know, maybe, maybe I'll go to the gym at, the, at, at night instead. You know, we'll move some stuff around. So go to, go to dinner at my parents. From there, go to the gym. We shut her down at like 10. So I'm driving back to Boston. It's the middle of the eighth, and I'm like, "All right, uh, I'll throw the Yankee game on on the radio." This, this is sometimes Dallas. The baseball gods just shine down on you. Like I <laughs> might listen, happened? I might listen to one game a year on the radio for another team, and I happen to pick this Yankee game at this very moment, and <laughs> John Carlos stands up. There's a runner on. It's a 6-4 ball game. Oh, no. And lo and behold, you know what? I'm just going to play it. I'm just going to play it. Oh, no. Because <laughs> God bless him. God bless John Sterling for moments like this. This is why baseball is great. This is why baseball is great. You can't just, you can't just like mistake a hole in one. You can't, just, you can't just think you saw it when you didn't. You can't just, oh, touchdown. No, wait, it's not. So here you go. John Sterling. Here's the 1-0. Swung on, there it goes. Deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught. <laughs> but caught. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Not even close to a home run. Not even close, Dallas. It was, it was the warning close. track. You got to the warning track. You it got to the. the he wasn't even in front of the wall. <laughs> Jared, it looked like a home run on TV. Yeah, I mean, maybe it looked maybe, like a home run. So maybe this is what's happening too, and and it's very it's very plausible when you think about it this way. Mm-hmm. If he's watching the monitor in mm-hmm. front of him, as opposed to the game, actual, you know, like to the mm-hmm. game unfolding in front of him like down below him, yeah. um, then that's, it's easy to get duped in that regard. And honestly, 
It, 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 it is if the, if the camera's leading you there, if the camera is taking you on a ride like you're on the back of a fucking Elon Musk rocket into outer space, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this shit is gone. Mm-hmm. And you feel you might feel confident in what right. you're about to what you're about to put out there. But then the camera peels back because the camera guy's like, shit, I don't I don't think he got that. And and now you. <laughs> He of the voice of the baseball game is mm-hmm. is like, you know, n- now you're out there in no man's land like that is crushed, but it's not. It's caught. I mean, Stan pimped it I, like a little bit's on Stan, a little bit's on the cameraman, but he, he caught the ball. <laughs> you can see him he catch the ball. The ball. Well, and John Sterling, and he let you know that, but it's <laughs> he let you know it just a little bit late. Well, I- I think that was the best call because watching it on TV, every, it looked fucking gone. They it's fucked in. up. So if you're listening on the it's radio and you're the, you're the guy calling on the radio, you're trying to make it look seem like they're watching it in real life. So mm-hmm. people watching it in real life or on TV thought it was gone. So then people on the radio also thought it was gone because of John Sterling. That's a hell of a he spin knows zone. what he's doing. That is a hell of a spin zone. He is so, so, so for John Sterling... For the folks who are watching or listening to that on the radio, you're welcome for John mm-hmm. Sterling putting you right in the stadium because you too would have thought that that home run was gone. Look, I feel I feel bad for him because assholes like you are just fucking hammering him for this, and you could you could hear it in his voice, like but caught like he he was if if, if those words could be any other two words they'd be. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, again, god damn it. <laughs> so I, I feel bad for John Sterling. And I, Joey, that is an incredible spin zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, like, he's putting you right there in the ballpark where you too would have thought it was gone. So he so wanted he, you to feel that emotion of that's a home run, but it's not. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> Poor John Carlos Stanton, because it that's how it's it's been Stanton both times. So well, right. now anytime you say Stantonian blast, that means it's not a home run. And he's one of the most prolific home run hitters of this generation. It's is is the is the Stantonian blast now the Bob Nightingale version of a home run call? Like, yeah, it's not. Yes, you throw that out when it's not the like that. Yeah. Oh, Any time now for the for the rest of our lives, if someone hits a ball that looks like it's gone and then it's not, that is a Stantonian blast. That's what it is. That's what that means. Oh man. Like I, I got to be careful to not drop that on a broadcast. You have to do that. No, I can't do no. You, you have do to do that. that. <laughs> I can't. Do that. You ha- Dallas. <laughs> I have way too much respect for John Sterling. It's not. It's 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 a nod to John Sterling. We're not making fun of John Sterling. I love John Sterling. I don't know. I don't know that you're appreciating it the same way that I'm appreciating. Oh, I'm I appreciating think, it. I know we are, but I think we're appreciating it in very different ways. No, come on. <laughs> I it, like. Let me try and th- this is the metaphor that I think I have. <clears throat> when that call happened, and it was John Carlos Stanton. And it's like my my brain was like it happened again. It's it was like if you had lifted up a couch cushion and there was just a thousand dollars cash there, and then you're like, you, 
you lift up the other cushion. It's like, well, there's no way that there's more. I mean, like you're lucky that you even got the thousand dollars that was under your couch cushion. And then you lift up the cushion next to it, and then there's six thousand dollars under there. You're like, there's no <laughs> way that happened again. There's no way. And and it did. And it, it made me happy. And you know what? I mean, I just want to say I appreciate John Sterling so much. He is yeah. he's a legend of the game. <laughs> Yeah, it was to to your point about it happening again. That was the uh, like I did when I saw it come across. I was like, "Oh man, oh man!" And and I was and then I started to think like I started to unfold a scenario in my head where John Sterling is just like he's like, "All right, you know what? Fuck this." He takes mm. his headset off and he's just fucking hightailing it to the camera well, and he mm. snatches the cameraman up. He's like, "Look." All right, this is fucking twice now, okay? So I'm trying to do my best to call a fucking baseball game here, and you're tracking baseballs like they're gnats in the night sky just being being sucked into a light bulb. Like, fucking stop it, please. Can you follow the fucking baseball so yeah. I can give the people what they want, a Stantonian blast? Because you have reduced me now to a Stantonian blast being a fucking infield fly, and that can't happen. It can't happen. I mean, I, like I said, Stan Stanton's reaction didn't help either. Stan thought it was gone. Did he? I mean, because yeah. when, when he hit it, I feel like it looked like he was like, ah, that's close. Like, I'm just going to, you know, there's a different because I feel like when he pimps it, he starts yeah. walking a little like he'll lean yeah. on it and he starts walking a little there. I feel like he was like measuring it up. Like, I don't know if that's going to be. Uh. Oh, he he stared it down. It is God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's God. Does every broadcaster they you guys watch it on the monitor? No, it's just it's it's there. There's there's times where you're looking at the monitor for whatever reason and then, you know, you you turn your eyes and you're looking at the field of play because there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the field that isn't being picked up on the camera, like, you know, where guys are positioned defensively out in the outfield. Like, if a guy gets a really good jump and you're watching, like, there's center fielders in the game who will take a step with the pitch because they know the location, they see the pitch flight out of the hand of the pitcher, and they're already leaning. They're already taking a step. So, like, I love to watch guys who can do that, and you see the kind of jumps they get on shit. It's it's ridiculous, but you can... uh yeah, you can. You, you've got the monitor there. Some guys <clears throat> go to the monitor so you can like see the replay of a pitch or whatever. What about the? But you got to look at it for the pitch, right? I mean, if you're calling location, can you see that? Yeah, from I mean, well, I mean, your <clears throat> your your eyes are used to watching, you know, the the flight of a ball. So I know what pitch it was. Like I've got a good idea in person. Yeah, I can never do that when I go to a game. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Well, I mean, I I Joe, you, got, you got to understand, I spent the better part of my life tracking pitches from a dugout as opposed to on a TV. So that's just okay. that's just what your, <laughs> that's just what your your line of sight is like. like, And that's what that's like managers like it's the worst place to track a pitch from the dugout. Like you got the worst view in the house. So what you're watching is the way that the catcher is catching the ball. Like, was that ball out? Well, did he reach across his body? You know, was the ball down? You're paying attention to how the catcher catch. So it's just a, a line of sight thing. But no, the TV is extremely helpful. That's why I'm trying to 
go to bat here for John Sterling and say that he was watching the TV and it was the cameraman's work that led him to the call. <clears throat> hey, listen, again, we're not making fun of John Sterling here. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Guy, guy paved the way for legendary broadcasters like Dallas Braden, who <clears throat> great segue, great segue into the Brett Phillips game. Oh, wow. Uh, Brett Phillips. If, if there's anyone, I'm not saying that anyone even does this, but if anyone even thinks about doing this, saying one bad word about Brett Phillips, it's on site. I'll beat the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> If you say one bad thing about Brett Phillips. Um, so Brett Phillips, a.k.a. the American Shohei Otani. Uh, he, this man, I don't know how many pitching appearances is this for him in his career now? He's got to be up to like three or four, right? No, that, I, I believe that's just his second. No way. Maybe his third. I think he had two last year at least. So yeah, maybe it's his third. I'm going to say third. He, this is is what no way that he pitched once last year i thought he pitched twice last year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe it's just because he did it once and then they played the fucking clips from it for the rest of the year <laughs> there you go yeah yeah okay. just twice damn all it's right it's been such a treat that's all yeah it was that i guess where where were they they were in buffalo yeah yeah, the first time he did it. Yeah, he I came out of the so. bullpen. He was doing all kinds of shit. Um, so he did that, and then he comes out of the pen for Tampa. I didn't realize he went two frames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the second longest outing for a pitcher in that ball game. It felt like because we were there a while. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, that was an interesting ball game. You had Brett Phillips coming out of the bullpen. And when when that ball goes up in the air, what would you say the odds were that he makes that catch? Because you seemed genuinely surprised. You weren't just like amping it up for the moment. No, like I, I was the ball goes up in the air and you're thinking and again, you know, there's where guys are positioned. You're like, well, there's nobody that's got a shot at this right now because typically pitchers are not bounding off the mound like that. Right. After, after a baseball, they're like, ah, fuck it. You know, the catcher right. will get it or maybe the third baseman, but I'm definitely not. I'm just going to be hanging out right here. <laughs> you guys tell me how that goes. And he takes off <laughs> and he, bre- he breaks. And I'm like, and, and again, I'm looking down on the field. So I'm like watching him and I'm looking up at the ball and I'm like, he's, he's going to fucking catch this. Right. There's no way he's about to catch this. Are you fucking serious? And he caught it. And I was just, I was just baffled. Like, no. here's, here's Dallas's call. <laughs> Watching the velocity at which it's coming in with. Watch Phillips. He may catch it. And he did. <laughs> Out number two. Have yourself a day. <laughs> that was absolutely ridiculous. Pitchers that make plays like that kind? Athletes. <clears throat> Action. Athletes. <laughs> Athletes. 
Wow. Yeah, it was it was insane. It was insane. You know what's annoying about that is that clip went everywhere, and how many people posted the the Rays broadcast, and they're like, "Good catch by Phillips." <laughs> <laughs> Phillips. Yeah. What was what was really cool, especially for for my broadcast partner, Glenn Kuiper, um, yesterday walking into the game or walking into the uh, <clears throat> to the dome. Brett Phillips, as we're walking up to the broadcast booth, we're walking by the raised uh, clubhouse and Brett Phillips is like running out and he stops and, you know, gives me a big old hug and we start talking and he was just like, dude, I saw the call. Like everybody was sending me the video. Like you guys are great. You guys make me feel like a rock star, man. Like it was, he was very appreciative of the love that, uh, that we did give him on our broadcast. So that was, that was cool to hear. Um, but yeah, it's just the dude has so much fun playing the game of baseball. And it'd be so easy in that situation to be pissed off that you're the position player that's getting ran out there on the mound. It'd be so easy to just kind of go through the motions and, you know, maybe have a little fun with it because you're trying to bring some levity to the situation. But he had a ton of fun with it. And that's how you're supposed to play the game is with fun and with passion. And he has that really come across. I mean, he's up there floating cutters in there. Like I'm, I'm, I'm literally like breaking down his his mechanics and his pitch sequencing, and and he's throwing forty five mile an hour floating cutters, you know, and he bounces off the mound and makes that ridiculous play. But the goodwill of Brett Phillips would not end with bringing a smile to the face of fans in an absolute blowout. Nay, nay. Because the very next day, no, not the next day, yesterday, actually, um, Brett Phillips, before the game, uh, was the catcher of the first pitch of a girl who is the biggest Brett Phillips fan on planet Earth. She's also a young girl battling cancer not for the first time because she already kicked its ass once but for the second time so he meets her before the game she gives him a bracelet to wear and she's like yo strap this on it's good luck dude and he's like well yeah being brett phillips that he is he's like i'll fucking wear this every day and fast forward to the game brett phillips at the dish what's happening in the stands that young girl that young fan that threw out the first pitch to her favorite player brett phillips is being interviewed and what happens at the same time that brett phillips is is at the plate and she's being interviewed brett phillips literally hit the hardest and farthest baseball of his career out of the park for a fucking homer so as he's up to the plate, bam, hits a homer. She's talking about why Brett Phillips is her favorite player. She loves his smile. She loves his energy. And they're like, hey, hey, are you? And you could hear him talking. They're like, she, oh, he, Brett Phillips just hit a home run. Brett Phillips just hit a home run. It was fucking incredible. But nothing more incredible than the outpour of emotion from Brett Phillips in the post-game interview talking about what that moment meant to him, catching the first pitch from her, talking to her, getting the wristband from her, wearing the wristband, hitting the homer. Like he just, and he did it all with tears in his eyes, a crack in his voice. And you can't fake shit like that, man. And I'm so glad that people, 
get to have little snippets like that of ball players who nobody cares. You know what? Brett Phillips might not hit seven home runs, 700 home runs in his career. All right. Brett Phillips might not win 10 gold gloves or make 15 all-star games. And that's perfectly fine because the way that Brett Phillips plays the game of baseball and the way he has become, quite frankly, an ambassador for the game, just by virtue of having fun, you, you, you can't, it's very tough to duplicate that and it's very tough to replicate that. And so for him to, to be able to do that for our game and still fulfill himself as a baseball player, like that's, that's really killing two birds, one stone because the the dude is a, he's a treat to have, man. He really is. We got to get him on the podcast. I can't believe we haven't done that yet. Yeah, that's, that's doable. That's very doable. Cause I, I, (laughs) I told him, I was like, my grandmother is, like maybe your second biggest fan because if you're if you remember like I think it was last year <clears throat> he threw a ball up at the Coliseum mm-hmm. he went to throw a ball into the center field suites that my two girls and my grandma and wife in family were in and he almost hit my grandma you know my grandma kind of ducked or whatever and then she stuck her head out the window and she's talking shit to Brett Phillips like hey you know she's waving her fingers at him and shit and he was like oh I'm sorry my bad you know he's, he's, he gestured to her and and then I, I tweeted him I was like Brett Phillips is not the man you think he is he's a he's a menace who tried to assassinate my grandmother with a baseball you know and and just the the exchange that we had he, he's just a dude who as we say he gets it he mm-hmm. gets the idea that you got to stop and talk to fans. He gets the idea that you sign autographs, that you take pictures, that you do what you can for people to enhance their experience at the baseball game, because that's how we keep fans. That's how we grow fans. That's how you grow this great game. So, uh, yeah, Brett Phillips has, has earned more fans in a 24 hour period than I think a lot of ball players could ever hope to have when they leave this game. Mm hmm. I don't. I don't hit that. We're gonna actually need a, a baseball doesn't exist video on Brett Phillips there, Joey. Mm-hmm. Maybe if, if he gets in a fight or a DUI. <laughs> if he something. gets in a fight, <laughs> he needs to start fucking breaking the law or something. There's gonna maybe. have to be like the American Shohei Otani, the story of Brett Phillips' entire career arc. I don't know what the I don't know what the crowning moment will be, but I mean he has a that walk off was in the World walk-off. Series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got he's got some. He's, he's not just some like sideshow act. He he's he's done some shit. No, and the, the dude is. I mean, I I just I legitimately love watching him play baseball. I mean, the team, <clears throat> the Rays before he came into the game, they were already getting the shit kicked out of him. And he's out in right field, you know, and it's very easy blowout ball games for defenders. I don't want to say to kind of, you know, ratchet it down, but you're down nine in the fifth inning or whatever it is. Maybe there's some guys who aren't laying out for baseballs. Maybe there's some guys, you know, who who just aren't putting forth the effort on a foul ball or whatever it is. Well, Brett Phillips made a ridiculous catch down in the corner in right field, selling out, just hustling his ass off. Every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Just what a great he does. example. That's it. <clears throat> it's what he does. Uh, yesterday's biggest story, though, was the Clayton Kershaw perfect game, but it wasn't a perfect game because uh, he was removed from the game. People were divided on this big time. 
Uh, Clayton Kershaw, seven perfect frames, was removed at 80 pitches. And I mean, there, there is a correct answer to this because mm-hmm. there, there were people who were up in arms about it. Um, there were people who were defending Dave Roberts' decision and, and the message behind it. Uh, like his own catcher said, yeah, it was time for him to come out. Dave Roberts was like, hey, we're, you know, he's got a no hitter. Yeah, it'd be nice if he had a perfect game, but we're, we're the Dodgers. Like we're trying to win a World Series and and he, he's fucking Clayton Kershaw. Like, of course, he's going to be a big part of that if we if we end up doing this. Um, so if Kershaw was cool with it, then then we should be, too. I, I think it's that I think it's really that simple. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it, it It is that simple. The the beautiful part about this whole scenario unfolding, though, is it conjures that emotion. And Joey, maybe you can speak to this because from a fan perspective, you want to see cool shit like that unfold from a fan perspective who might be on the fence about the game of baseball. It's moments like that that draw you in. Or if you're at that ball game, maybe for the first time and you're not really a baseball fan, that's a moment that not only creates fandom in you, could create lifelong fandom. You're now a Dodger fan. You're a Clayton Kershaw fan. And it's all because of that kind of game happening and you being there to witness that history. I mean, is there anything to that before I go on? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it would be better for everyone if they kept him in, except if he got hurt or... If he got hurt or maybe if he didn't get hurt, he could still, I don't know, could that fuck him up in the long run, throwing too many pitches early? Well, that's that that's where that's where having an understanding of the entire scenario comes into play, because what I tweeted, I mean, th- that is my raw reaction to turning on my iPad like I was scuffling trying to get to the press box so I could get my computer and iPad up so I could watch his next inning. Right. And the first thing I see is Vasia on the mound. And I mean, you could ask anybody in the press box at the at the game yesterday. As soon as I saw that it was Vasia on the mound, I audibly yelped. I was like, what? No. And, and people were like, what? What? What happened? Did he lose it? Did he? And I was like, no, he didn't lose it. He lost his chance to get it. He's out of the fucking game. And like, I was just, I did. I got so emotional because I want, I want moments like that for our fans and for our game, but I wanted Clayton Kershaw. That's legitimately the last box this dude has to check. That's it. I, uh, between that and I, I don't think he has a silver slugger award. Okay. Those are the only two things and he can't do that anymore. So it's almost like, hey, you know what? Clayton Kershaw played baseball in an era where they didn't allow pitchers in the National League to hit. So I will hear that argument superseding his last 12 years or 13 years of eligibility to win a silver slugger. Fuck that. Nope. He played in an era where they didn't let pitchers hit anymore. So he he gets a free pass on that one, if you ask me. But the but the perfecto, right? But Joey, to your point. This is the kind of stuff, and and he was he was vocal about it, and a lot of other guys were vocal about it as well. And and it's an obvious statement, but this is a dude who last October had a PRP injection in his elbow, right? So he's dealing with some health stuff going into an off season, which gets extended via the lockout 
But the caveat to that is the former Cy Young winner, the former MVP pitcher on your team is somebody you now can't communicate with because of the lockout. So when it comes to trying to devise a plan to navigate a path back to the mound, back to your ups and downs, which are so important in spring training, if you can't communicate with your training staff, strength and conditioning staff, doctors, then you're kind of on an island and you're kind of left to your own devices. And when you're dealing with a a situation like the elbow and trying to come back and just trying to figure things out, you don't want to get out there and just start ramping shit up all on your own without having a, a sounding board of your staff to help you out. Like, oh, I felt this. I felt that. This is how it felt. Okay, well, this is what you need to do to recover tomorrow. This is what we need to do in the weight room, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a lot that goes into that. So, absolutely, Joey. This is something that could very well set him back if he goes out there and tries to complete nine innings while he didn't even pitch six innings in a spring training session, right? Like, he's done sim games. So, having not even completed six innings, let alone seven, I can tell you right now what his body's going to feel like today is he, he's going to feel it. He's going to be feeling the soreness because he's done so much more than he's ramped up and prepared for. So, I totally, and, and I even tweeted that out, that I totally understand the injury history and, you know, what it could mean in the future if you just let Clayton roll it out there and go hitter to hitter in the eighth inning, because who's to say he doesn't get through that and then buys himself that ninth inning because he got through it. But you listen to his catcher. And if you watch some of the pitches later in his outing, that slider specifically started to back up a little, didn't quite have the bite on it like it did in previous innings. So you could start to see the stuff diminish as well. And all of that is to say that Dave Roberts handled it beautifully if what he said is true, which I have no reason to believe it isn't. And they had a conversation with him because he said in his postgame interview that Clayton Kershaw has absolutely earned the right to have that discussion, right? And that's what the manager is there for, is to protect the athlete from himself, And thank goodness that Clayton Kershaw is the level-headed team player that he is because he's like, look, I've got the hardware, all right? I've got the ring already, and I know what that tastes like. And let me tell you, there's nothing in my trophy case that I would ever, ever be okay with aside from that World Series trophy. That's the one that matters. So, I mean, and and I got, inevitably, I get asked when shit like that happens, would you give your perfect game up for a World Series? And, I, and it's, it's not even, without hesitation. Like, yeah, twice on Sunday. No yeah. brainer. No, no one's watching that start if Clayton Kershaw finishes the perfect game and their reaction is going to be, well, Dan, this Clayton Kershaw guy is pretty fucking good, huh? Right. <laughs> His legacy is cemented. And now he probably just like, I would imagine whatever, like you've had the experience of winning a World Series. I'm sure there are some guys on that Dodger team that are like, yeah, but I, I kind of want a real one. Like the, the people that went through that postseason will tell you that the teams that made the postseason that year, it's not like some random ass teams got in there on a fluke and they were able to go through uh, some maybe not so good teams that wouldn't have been there otherwise if it was a full 162. 
the teams that made the playoffs, even in the in the sixty game season, those were probably the teams or most of the teams that would have made it had they played one sixty two. Um, so I don't I don't think it's a Mickey Mouse ring for the Dodgers, but there are fans who say that that you know it's not it's not a legit World Series. Go win a real uh, ring or whatever. So yeah, I. Yeah, but the, here's here's what bothered me were the takes that were saying uh, this is baseball's problem. They don't let stars be stars. Part of the reason why baseball's boring now is because the nerds get in the way and <clears throat> a guy like Clayton Kershaw can't finish out a perfect game because of analytics. It wasn't because of analytics. It was because not of everything that Dallas just said. It's not about winning the ball game. Like, oh, we can't let... Kershaw go out there to face this part of the lineup. That's not it at all. This guy, how old is he now? 35, 36? Like, yeah, we're, t- we're talking about <clears throat> we're talking about health, man. Like that's right. That's true. So like and and look, l- we can lay some things out here just to kind of compare and contrast, you know, because you hear Kershaw, you hear Kershaw talk about the lockout, like blame the lockout. Blame me not being able to pick up a ball until January or whatever it was. And that's a combination of the health stuff that we just talked about him, you know, the PRP injection, making sure that you're on the right plan because you get the PRP injection, which I've had multiple of there's a rest and recovery phase that occurs there. You have to let the procedure run its course and take hold before you just start tearing down muscle fibers and shit again. So that's going to set you back a bit. Um, but, but it's not about, it's not about the numbers and the computers and that's what did this. No, it's all about making sure that Clayton Kershaw is there to be an impactful part of the puzzle come September, October. That's what this decision is about. And I even said, and again, this is all before hearing what Dave Roberts says after the game. And it's all understanding that Clayton Kershaw does have to be protected, but I would have hate to have thought that the prognostication of we will win the World Series. Mm-hmm. I would hate to think that that has an impact on making that decision to pull Clayton Kershaw. He and, said, if our pitching staff stays healthy. Right. If our pitching staff stays healthy, we will win the World Series. So I can see how is 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 that what it says, Joe? Is that the, que- uh, the quote you're reading? Did you say I didn't queef? read, but I remember him saying, <laughs> "Yeah, he queefed that. He queefed that uh, in the in spring training." But, yeah, he said but, that. So, if our starting rotation, I think, stays healthy. So, so there you go. And and I was just thinking to myself. And again, this is this is in the eighth inning of the ball game. I didn't have the luxury of listening to the post game sound bites. I said, like, I really hope that a preseason World Series prognostication isn't what has led to you know pulling Clayton Kershaw but this is all understanding that this is what Dave Roberts is there to do he is there to make sure that the right decision gets made and so I I've always loved Dave Roberts love that man and and for him to go out there and protect his guy but have that conversation still with Clayton Kershaw that's that's what you do that's how it gets handled. What I would love to see now or what I would love to have seen unfold now is what does that look like if Clayton Kershaw is like, hey, Doc, give me the fucking ball. I'm going back out there. He's probably back out there. <laughs> I would imagine <laughs> I would imagine that that's how that conversation goes. 
Um, but just one quick thing before we move on on this on this particular topic. Uh, Twitter engagement being a barometer for uh, baseball's popularity and what people are most interested in as it pertains to the sport. What would you say is, is in terms of Twitter engagement, what my like most popular tweets were about? You? Yesterday? You're- Me. Ever. John Sterling. No, ever. I mean. Oh, Yankees tweets. No. Uh, cheating. Astros cheating. Yes. The Astros cheating scandal, like those numbers were monster numbers. And outside of the Red Sox winning the World Series in 2018, I would say the tweet about Clayton Kershaw uh, being upset that he was taking, taken out of the game with a perfect game was like my third highest performing tweet ever for about baseball besides the Astros cheating scandal stuff, the Red Sox winning the World Series, and then that event. So people are into it. People still care. Like, like there's not just this sentiment that only Dodger fans... Like baseball is a regional sport. Only Dodger fans uh, care about the Dodgers. It's like, no... No, the, the idea that someone, especially a legend, future first ballot Hall of Famer like Clayton Kershaw, could have added a perfect game to his resume. People that are not Dodger fans, they care about that too. People that... Uh, it, it That made me feel good. That made me feel good that pe- that many people cared and that that many people were interested in, in this event, even if they weren't necessarily watching the game live well it's a good it's a it's a great learning moment for fans because you're watching you know old school ball players old old retired ball players have very strong opinions on clayton kershaw being pulled whether or not they took the time to listen to the post game sound bites and hear the just excuse me the justifications behind it is another thing because you know their, their staunch stance is i would have finished the ball game i would have done this i would have done that well again that's that's in yesteryear right where maybe mm-hmm. the concern about you being able to pitch in october isn't there because you're going to pitch in october if you're alive and you can make it to the ballpark don't nobody give a shit about how your arm feels you're pitching and that's what that's how it went in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even in the early 90s. But mm. today, with all the information and all the science we have to back up the decision making, that's just not going to happen. I don't know where you stand on this. Um, walks not being recognized as a total base. What the fuck are we doing here? I got yeah, I absolutely like- boned on a parlay yesterday. <laughs> I had Red Sox money line, Kike to get a hit, and JD to have two plus total bases. Kike homered, Red Sox won, and uh, JD walked three times. But he only had a single, so I came one total base shy of hitting this parlay. How... Why? Because it's not even like a sports book thing. It's not just like a fantasy baseball thing. The league it's a, itself, if you look in the box score, does not recognize a walk as a total base. Why does? Right. It's a it's a scoring thing. I don't because it doesn't count as a net bat. I guess, but the, the, that can just you baseball can just make up the rules. Well, and that's what they did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's 
<laughs> like exactly. I get I get a walk not not counting as an at bat. That's why it's a plate appearance. But it can still count as a total base. I mean you've collected that base. You've earned that base. I I, I respect the effort. Yes, I, I get it. And I, I'm I'm here telling you that the work that goes into working a walk at the big league level, while maybe not as much work goes into it these days as it did in the past because guys are just like fuck it 98 whoa shit watch your lips uh like you know maybe i'm not saying it's easier to wait out four balls in the big leagues that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying that there's there's work to be put in to four balls before three strikes and you should be rewarded for that i totally agree i agree like it's it's one of those weird things like like if if i'm pitching and I get two strikes on the batter, and then I've got to come out of the ball game. And you come into the game behind me, and you end up walking that guy. Guess what? That walk is charged to me. But if you end up striking that guy out after I got the first two strikes, that strikeout is yours, not mine. What the fuck? I literally did two thirds of the work, and you're getting the credit. That's horseshit. That's why baseball, the, the some of the rules is just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, whatever. we'll do this. Who cares? Right? We'll just make <laughs> some shit up. No one's going to question it. Well, now we got to question it. We have to question it, baseball fans, because it's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Maybe you've heard of it. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at Stacks of Green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest. New customers can play for free for thousands in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code JARED, that is J-A-R-E-D. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That is promo code JARED at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. You got to be 21 plus to play. Restrictions apply. MLB trademarks used with permission. See show notes for details. Uh, um, the Alec Bohm thing was very funny. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Just to, just to set the scene. I mean, a lot of you probably already know the deal, but just in case you missed this, Alec Bohm of the Philadelphia Phillies uh, made three errors. And the I believe it was the NBC Philly cameras that caught him saying i fucking hate this place and there's probably still another i don't know two and a half three hours left in this ball game (laughs) phillies come back late they score five runs in the eighth uh end up uh defeating the mets and it's everyone's happy and you're probably going back to your locker being like fuck yeah big team win this is sick (laughs) and then you open up your phone you're like ah shit Fuck. <laughs> Got caught. So he had time. He probably because when, when you go back into the into the clubhouse after the game, Dallas, how much time is there between uh games over, 
hit the shower, start getting dressed, and the the clubhouse is open to the media. How much time is there to formulate uh, a plan? <laughs> you got that? like you got like fifteen minutes, man. Like fifteen. That's 20 plenty of minutes. Time. Fifteen minutes, especially in panic time. When you're panicking, fifteen minutes probably feels like two hours. Uh, so, Alec Bohm made the very smart, wise decision to own it, and and Philly fans kind of set the example. Hey, if you're just accountable and you're honest, like we know we're fucking assholes. We know that. <laughs> and if you're calling us assholes, at least have the balls to to admit that that's what you're saying. Because they would have booed the shit out of him the next night if he was like, no, the, the like everyone kind of like read my lips wrong. I said, you know, and then make something up. If he had done that, he's probably getting booed in Philly for the rest of his career. Even if he ends up being the World Series MVP at some point, he's probably still getting booed in Philly. Uh, but instead, he was like, yeah, I said it. Um, I didn't mean it. Motion's got the best of me. I just I really care about winning. And I, you know, motion's got the best of me. It is what it is. Motherfucker gets a standing ovation in his first at bat the next day. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Well done, Philly fans. Well done, Philly fans. He's not, is, that that was the only, is that That was the only time he got out all year, too, so far. What he got clapped for. <laughs> the standing ovation. He was undefeated. He couldn't get out. And then they started being nice to him. And he's not good anymore at the plate. <laughs> he's not good anymore. <laughs> It completely ruined it for him. That that's exactly what you want to see. That's the textbook exchange. Like that right there. I I hope that that gets clipped off and played in the spring training meetings when we get you know our security meetings when you have the meeting on how to interact with fans if you need help. Go get someone. Let's let the security guard in the dugout know so they can let somebody else know, blah, 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 if you're having issues. Like we have those meetings in spring training, Joey, and they tell us what I just said, how to go about solving problems if that occurs, if you're having one as a player. Well, they should play this video. Like this Give is them how you the Brett Anderson talk. Exactly. This is how this is how you play. This is how you interact with fans. Like if you're gonna say something like this. And then, boom, they're going to run the tape of, of Alec Bohm just saying, I have a fine palace. That's what his that's what the lip reading will be. Uh, and, and from there, you just own it. And the fans are, are kind of let because you, you put the ball back in their court, right? You put the ball back in the fans court like, like yeah, I did. I said I fucking hate this place. Why? Because <laughs> I just kicked two balls, and I know you assholes are going to eat me alive right now, and you are. So, yeah, as we sit here today, right now, hey, Didi, let me let you know something. I fucking hate this place. <laughs> I want to be anywhere but here right now. And when the fans are like, did you really say that? And you're like, yeah. Sure <laughs> yeah, I did. did. Sure did. It's like, all right, your move, fan base. What are you going to do? And they're like, well, you know what? We're going to love. We're going to fucking love you for that. That's what we're going to do. Thank you. Thank God someone has finally had the balls to tell us to kiss their ass and and mean it. And and you, you've owned up. And, uh, you know, obviously, that's not what he did. He's just saying, like, yes, man, I said it. I was emotional. Like, fuck, what do you want me to do? I'm human. I'm a fucking human being. Like, I was feeling that right then and there. Like, I got 30,000 of you 
in like you, you got me in your crosshairs right now. I get it. Like I'm the guy over here. There's another young third baseman that you brought up as well. Brian Stott. Like we're all trying to figure it out together here. I feel the pressure from the roster. I feel the pressure from the fans. I feel the pressure from myself. I just want to go out and perform. And when that doesn't happen, I'm pissed at myself. And when that doesn't happen in front of passionate fans, I'm even more pissed off at myself because I'm, I'm letting myself down and I'm disappointing you guys. So yeah, when all that happens in the heat of the moment, there's no place like this is the last place on earth. I'd rather, I, I want to be, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> and he doesn't necessarily mean Philly, but he means that <laughs> that baseball diamond right then and there, these fans just get, me out of here and when they asked him straight up he's like yeah dude yeah i absolutely yeah Yeah. i wanted no part of it i did say that yeah i knew right away um the second that it became a positive because at first like like i have boston brain and if a red Sox player did that i'm like oh man like the fucking sports radio in boston is gonna run this dude out of town the fans are going to uh, be on him forever. He's never going to recover from this. They might have to straight up release this guy. Uh, there's players in the clubhouse that probably hate this guy for saying that. But then in Philly, I'm like, wait a second. This could become a rallying cry. <laughs> it's, it's totally different in Philly where something as simple as acknowledging like, yeah, I said that. And I was like, uh this is going to be a t-shirt at some point. It was a t-shirt the next day. But yeah. there were... I saw five different companies put out a I fucking hate this place t-shirt within 12 hours of, of that even being a story, which is, which is smart. It is smart because I think if the Phillies end up having a, a good team this year, which I expect them to, I think they have a really exciting team and um, they, can, they can score runs with, with the best of them in the National League. That's going to be their rallying cry. I fucking hate this place. Like, imagine, imagine uh, the Phillies win the World Series and they, there's like a Chase Utley moment where they give Alec Bohm the mic and he's shit face. And, and the, like, you know, you have Citizens Bank and you're just like, I fucking hate this place. Yeah. And he you just drops it. You just, just drops get off the, like, thank the, you. the boats. Yeah. At the World Series. Come on. It's perfect. It's perfect Philly. Yeah, it, it it really is. So I, I was very happy to see the fans react the way they did, embrace that moment, because it's a long season, man. It and is. Do you really want to spend 158 more games just burying your future third baseman, crushing this guy? Like, I, I think fans also understand to a point the impact that they can have. Like you make it comfortable for a guy to come to the ballpark, especially a third baseman or a corner infielder or outfielder, the first baseman, third baseman, left fielder, right fielder. Like these guys are the closest in proximity to their fans mm-hmm. and they're talked to. They talk to the fans, foul balls, right? Like they, they're giving balls away in between innings, shit like that. So, Fans make it, fans create the environment that these guys come and play in and work in every day. So it's good to see him make it, you know, make it something that he can enjoy. Yeah. Joey, what do you get on the Alec Bohm situation? I mean, their defense really sucks. That's <laughs> hard to deny. <laughs> that was, you know, now, I mean, that kind of made you kind of forget about he made three errors in the first three innings. That was really ugly. Then they've been talking about that all offseason, how 
is it going to be possible for them to be good with the defense that bad? Or does he even stay at third? I know he's hitting really good, but they got Camargo, Stott. Well, that's that's what I was saying. They got they got a couple of uh, I don't want to say answers, but they got a couple options over there because I think you like what you got in DD at short, right? You're okay with Gene over there at for er, <clears throat> at second. Excuse you me. You fucking love him, Gene. Gene, the hit machine. Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. You have for a long time. He's played for almost every team in the league. The yeah, biggest red th- flag that you can ever have in, in professional sports. So you look at their baseball reference page. Uh, he's played for 20 different organizations. Unless also, you're Oliver Perez. This, when he said that to DD, that kind of felt like this is a guy I can say it to. Like, you, you hate this place too, man, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like he was gonna find he was gonna find comfort there, right? Yeah. yeah. Like Didi, hey, you, me, huh? <laughs> Just a couple of guys who fucking hate this place, right? You and me. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty funny um, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this I did want to give them a, a shout out though because it does tie into Stephen Kwan the fucking Cleveland Guardians from out of nowhere six games into the season have already scored 45 runs they've Let's won go. four straight baseball games they got a plus 23 run differential to start the year albeit uh, not even in first place, but the Cleveland Guardians have been a story. They've been a story to start the year. Uh, it's it's very much something that I think a lot of us don't expect to continue. But for now, put some respect on their name. You know, they're playing in a division where everyone is in love with the Chicago White Sox, and rightfully so. That's the best team in that division. Um, but the Guardians, specifically Stephen Kwan and Jose Ramirez, they've come out swinging this year. Oscar Mercado is just like, hey, I'm actually going to start fucking mashing home runs now. Uh, it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch them kind of get off on the right foot after... Um, you know, they, could, a, a long Mercado, season of, of battling roller derby teams. He could be a key piece, man. He could be a key piece to that lineup. Like if things turn around for him and he starts, he starts swinging the back consistently. He he could really help that club. He could really help that lineup. Uh, I had a great exchange. What well, it wasn't really an exchange, but if you remember from past episodes, Oscar Mercado in that interview, uh, we learned that Oscar. Not a huge fan of Skip Bayless. Hates him. <laughs> and spring training game. Uh, I was there with the with the homies from Canadips, and Oscar's coming up to bat, and I just <laughs> I, I yelled for whatever reason. Let's go, Oscar! Don't disappoint Skip. This is going to be topic number one tomorrow. You punch out. Do it for Skip. And he turned around and smiled. You know, like acknowledged <laughs> it. Uh, so the hatred is very real. But, uh, <laughs> the hatred is very real. <laughs> the skill set is very real as well. Um, and, and I would love to see him continue to continue to progress offensively. I mean, you know, his entire game. Uh, but yeah, Joe Ram already showing out, making me feel wise for my. Does early he already MVP. have two grand slams? Two. He's got two grand what? slams. He's got two grand slams. 
Stephen Kwan, the big story, obviously, of of the season that he's come out and started to have here. Uh, he's got he's ten for nineteen. He scored seven runs. He's got two doubles, a triple. He's knocked in five, walked eight times, and struck out once, hitting five twenty six with a six fifty five on base. Not bad. He's got a point seven war in six games. Yeah, in six like games. That. The the contact rate though, one hundred and sixteen swings. Right, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, before and swinging even, and missing. And people are now breaking it down. People are going into this looking at the swing and miss from what was that Wednesday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think it was a foul tip. Well, it was. So does that count? I feel like. So the, uh, uh, again, another you know weird nuanced Caveat. conversation. Yeah. Um, technically, because if you foul the ball off. And it's caught. The swing and miss. It's a swing and miss. It's a strike. It's a strikeout. Sw- if there's two strike strikes swing. and you foul tip into the mid, it's a strikeout swing. Right. If you swing and miss on a foul, or if you just foul a ball off, I, I believe that's a foul ball. Mm-hmm. But the swing and miss is what makes it a strikeout, right? Mm. Or the, the, it should be the a foul call, out. Yes, the foul out. Excuse me. Even when he swings and misses, he still makes contact. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of people can do that not a lot of people can do that not a lot of people can can say that um he doesn't even have to choke up which is really impressive yeah i've already i've i tried to kind of get the ball rolling here about getting steven kwan on the show i feel like that would be a great first guess that'd, be a, that'd be a great get that'd be a great get yeah Gotta get Stephen Kwan up in here. Maybe I'll ask. Maybe I'll ask Biebs. Be like, "Yo, can you just pop over a couple lockers and be like, hey, go on this show?'" I feel like if Shane Bieber tells you to do it, you find out, you kind of have to do it, right? Well, I'd I, I I'd like to think he has that kind of leverage there in that clubhouse. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll maybe. just turn Biebs into the unofficial correspondent in the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We we can just like and if he doesn't want to come on, then we'll just have Biebs interview him and then send us the files and then we'll just plug <laughs> it into the show. Done. Cleveland Indians correspondent, excuse me, Guardians, Cleveland Guardians correspondent, Shane Bieber. Yeah. Let's just not sleep on how difficult it is in this day and age to to barrel up a baseball, to make contact with a baseball with the kind of shit. That is in the game these days. Hundred mm-hmm. mile an hour fastballs on the reg, ninety plus mile an hour sliders on the reg, and this dude is—he's barreling everything. He's touching everything. Not easy to do. Yeah, not to be trifled with. Stephen Kwan, internet darling. People love it. People, People love do. it as they should. Uh, the Gabe Kapler, uh, what was that Mauricio Dubon situation? Yes. Yes, I've got some thoughts on this. Yeah, but uh, yeah, please, please explain. So the Giants were up big. I believe, was that a nine-run lead at the time? Early, yes. They were up big. They were up big early. They had a big lead. Mauricio Dubon drops down a bunt for a hit. Gets on base. Padres are not happy about this. 
Uh, you see your boy Bo Mel on the top step of the dugout. He's not happy about this. He gets back, or Dubon gets back into the dugout. The broadcast shows Gabe Kapler gets in his ear immediately, and it looks it looks like he got a stern talking to. But you have Dubon nodding. Yep, yep, yep. Didn't say anything back. Just nodding. Yep, yep, yep. After the game, Gabe Kapler has Dubon's back. So the polar opposite reaction to what I think we thought we were going to get from him, or at least a, a no comment, like that's between me and my player, what was said. But instead, Gabe Kapler had Dubon's back. And the logic behind it makes all the sense in the world. Like to me, the Gabe Kapler response publicly was directly in line with how I feel uh, the game should be played, how that situation should be handled. Um, I was just confused, I guess, by his reaction in the moment to do, to Dubon getting back into the dugout. It looked like it. If you could put a a fake caption on that conversation, it would have sounded something like, "Don't you ever fucking do that shit again? Who the fuck do you think you are for doing for <laughs> dropping down a bunt? We're up nine fucking runs, you stupid bitch. Now go to go grab some wood. Fuck you." That's what it, it looked like the conversation was. After the game, Gabe Kapler said, well, you know, like we're, we're not just trying to win a game here. We're trying to win a series. So if we can make this guy out on the mound throw more pitches, then maybe he isn't available to pitch tomorrow. That helps us win the next game. Like that logic is perfectly sound and should be recognized as the correct way to approach the game from a strategic standpoint. So... I don't know. I, maybe you can shed some more light on this, Dallas. Like in terms of, like why why did Kapler's reaction look so stern in the moment in the dugout, and then to the media, he had his players back, but it didn't seem like a phony. I'm going to have my players back publicly, but in that clubhouse, I'm going to ream his ass out like that. Like right. What, what the fuck happened there? Well, well, Joey, let me ask you: Was there a reaction like a- at all? from just from a fan perspective like like wow i can't believe he did that or what are they so upset about like what was your reaction when you when you saw it unfold you know you're watching the clips of it the replays of it or whatever and and you find out what happened did you have did you have a a, like a knee-jerk reaction to it no i mean i didn't watch it live but right to get mad at a bunt as a fan probably seems like okay get over it I know it's a blowout. I think if I watched it live, but also it's like also, you know, I probably if I watched it live was like, wow, you're really bunting right now. I think, yeah, but I mean, what I think is that uh, now that this is run differential, like you said, counts now for tie breaking mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So every run counts. I don't think you can really get too mad at a bunt up that big. No, yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say... What Gabe Kapler did, what we saw happen in the dugout, you're right, Jared. It gives you the sense that there was, you know, a conversation that didn't necessarily reflect what we heard after the fact. But again, that could very well have just been, hey, I don't care what they're saying to you. I don't care what the other team thinks. You continue to do what we've talked about. You continue to put the work in before the game. This is part of your game. Don't let anybody tell you any different. You keep doing what you're doing. 
it very well could have been something like that too. Could have been. And and we just don't know that. And and the whole time Debon's just like, yep, got it. All right, keep rolling. Got it. Just keep doing me. Got it. That that could very well have been the conversation as well. Um, but this is this is about unwritten rules, right? And if we want to go macro, like big picture, think about sport. The idea of sport is it is fueled by competition, but at some point in time, there is also a mutual respect between competitors. And that's where, you know, the whole, the the saying, you don't kick a man when he's down and things of that nature. Well, that might be true, like in, in life circumstances, where if, if, if you're doing well, you don't really need to be to be punching down, right? You're not shitting on people who aren't doing as as good as you are today because what are you getting out of that? And if you can, you uplift somebody. That's just kind of how this world should work in my opinion. But when we're when we're in competition, I'm quite literally coming for your life. Like I want you down and out. And if you're down, for me, that's the best time to kick you because I don't have to worry about you being on the same level as me and that's a that's a line that is getting blurred every day in competition is is there room for being a quote-unquote good sport is there room for being um a respectable competitor or are we all just going to start understanding that I'm going to score as many runs as possible until you either roll over and tap out or finally get the three outs? Are we going to be scoring as many touchdowns? Is, is it okay that we're up by 40 in the fourth quarter with three minutes left and we are still running nine routes? We're still just chucking the shit out of the football. Like, is there is that okay because we understand why you would be running the ball, right? Just to keep the clock winding. Why? Because this ball game is over. You're not going to be coming back. And maybe that's okay in a game that has a time limit on it. Because in the game of baseball, there are two-out rallies. And weird shit can happen. Things can get very, very weird. So while you might be up eight in the first three innings, that lead can dwindle. That lead could go away. And then you're stuck sitting there going in the seventh or eighth inning when you're now down by three going, fuck, I wish we wouldn't have just put it in cruise control for those four innings in the middle of this ball game and tried to do something because things would be looking very different. So the idea that Gabe Kapler has told everybody, this is how we're going to play baseball. And he said it in a fashion that you can kind of understand and get on board with like, look, we're not doing this out of emotion. We're not trying to pound people and make them quit baseball we're, we're not emotional about this at all we are quite literally trying to score as many runs as possible and trying to get to their pitchers i talk about this all the time especially in a four game set a four game series if you can get into that bullpen early like it happened out here i'm in tampa bay right now it's what happened you get into the bullpen early both starters stumble out of the gate that's a lot of pressure on both bullpens who now over the course of the next three days are going to have to cover a lot of outs and are going to have to be deployed multiple times. That can wear on a club. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful time to take advantage of that. And he prefaced it by saying, if you guys 
being the opposing team, want to do the same thing to us, we're not going to get mad about it. Yeah. We're not going to get angry about it. And and, and he made it known that it was a two way street. And the other thing is like Dubon, that's part of his game. Okay. So that would be like asking a guy who can drive the ball out of the ballpark with regularity to not take that kind of a swing, <laughs> even when his team is up by nine. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're not doing that, right? You're just, right. you're simply not doing that. And so if that's part of his game, if he's out there working on bunting the baseball every day before BP and getting his, that's how he makes his money. That's how he plays the game of baseball. That's what got him to the big leagues, being able to handle the bat and do things like that. So if you've got a defensive shift on, you're already strategically still playing the game. You're strategically trying to defend this offense. So these are things that are going to happen. I just, I, 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 it's again, it's a conversation about unwritten rules, sportsmanship. And I think that's where a lot of old school heads come from is there's a level of, and a degree of sportsmanship that falls by the wayside when we are out here just, you know, robotically playing the game, like score runs, score runs, score runs, score runs. But Joey, you make a great point about the implication of that run total at the end of the year. When it's all said and done, could you imagine the Giants and the Padres (laughs) in a heated race where the tiebreaker is broken by a run that the Padres scored and the Giants didn't? Dude, I feel like they, at that point they just gonna they're gonna be like, yeah, never mind. We're gonna do a game one sixty three anyway. <laughs> just like, let them have if it. They just, yeah, if they decide off run differential, it's gonna be. Now that I'm thinking about that, that would really suck, especially if it's like one run or two. Yeah, runs, that'd be tough. Five that would, runs. That, that'd be tough. So it's it's just a uh, yeah, it, it changes the complexion of competition a little bit, and just like everything else, it's gonna be a while before everybody gets on board with that. I think. Just like the new pitchcom stuff, so I feel like it's kind of hard for fans to really like care that much about this unwritten rule bunting or blowouts. I feel like that's the thing players care about, but well, it is, it know. is because because players understand how hard this shit is. And look, if you're in a blowout, you're standing out there, the game's going on forever, right? Like everybody's looking at the scoreboard. It doesn't change. It's nine nothing, ten nothing, eleven nothing. Like there's a level of embarrassment to it. And it's like, wow, all right. They're not even gonna swing the bat. They're still bunting here. This game just continues to go on. Like, yeah. fuck, this sucks. Get me off the field, please. And the response to that is, well, play better. Defend Was that before. Or after their third base coach got thrown out, um, I believe I believe that was, I believe that was after. It might have been before. I believe it was after. Which, Joey, good segue. Um, there was some there was some back and forth between the uh, the third base or excuse me the first base coach for the Giants and the dugout uh, of the Padres and the ejection of the first base coach for the Giants actually led to Alyssa Nakin becoming the very first female coach on a big league baseball field during a game, like on the field, field staff. She was the first base coach for the San Francisco Giants. You hate to see shit happen. 
happen that way, you know, you'd love for her to be able to get the nod, you know, just, hey, you've been promoted, whatever it is. Uh, but still very, very, very cool moment for for the Giants and for Alyssa Nakin. Uh, and you know, very cool Haas to go over and shake her hand, like recognize in the moment, like, Hey, this is going down. Like I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and I would say like for fans who were at that game, I hope you bought a ton of shit from that game to commemorate it. Cause that's going to be a special moment that you're going to want to, that, that you're going to have a memory of that you're going to share for the rest of your life. That's really, really, really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, like I just go back to like, you know, Hosmer having the sense or the feel for the moment to be like, hey, like, I want to fucking shake your hand. Like, this is this is fucking cool. Like, not uh, like later that night at the hotel being like, damn, like, I wish I had kind of like acknowledged that a little bit more, you know? Um, so, yeah, well, that was that was pretty cool. You know what? That's that's a it's a it's a good point to make because it was also Haas who was like, yo, Dubon, what the fuck we doing here, dude? Mm. what do you got going on like when he got to first base he, you know he's going to let him know how he feels about him bunting in that situation and on the flip side of that Hosmer coin he has the wherewithal to go up to Alyssa and shake her hand like you said understanding the gravity of the moment so there's a like for me that reflects an understanding of sportsmanship and why does Hosmer have an issue with what Dubon did because of where he comes from, because of the era in which he entered into the game, and there is that level of respect that you have for your opponent, and there's the level of respect you have for the game of baseball and cool things that happen in it. And so, really, all in one evening, you kind of saw where Eric Hosmer comes from or the era in which he comes from unfold. And it's And, and I'm not saying that him having an issue with Dubon is a negative thing. I'm just, I, I want people to understand that you are raised a certain way in your house to behave a certain way. You're raised a certain way in the game of baseball. You get treated a certain way at work, right? And it creates a dynamic and a culture in the workplace. Same thing. This is just where Hosmer has come from. And it was on display in gratitude and in a feeling of disrespect. I just don't get why... Like, like Ozzy Albies hit a moon bomb off a position player the other night. That's okay. You're up huge and you can swing out of your ass against the guy that's not even a pitcher. That's fine. But you have an actual major league pitcher on the mound. And yeah, you're up big, but you're still trying to get on base. You're still trying to, and like what Gabe Kapler said, like if we can make this guy throw more pitches then maybe he's not available for the next game. Or maybe he's got to get sent down and they got to bring someone someone up that isn't quite as good as the guy that's on the mound right now. Like there's a strategy to that. There's way more like fuck you where giving max effort for no apparent reason that's accepted versus there's logic behind the Dubon bunt. Like strategic logic versus fuck you we're running up the score. But mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and also, it's probably more disrespectful to say, we're not going to try anymore. Fuck this. We're going to put out right. Brett Phillips. Right. Yeah. Well, that, it's, that's, 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 yeah. That's another side of the argument is, well, you've already quit. Albert Pujols hit his first home run with the St. Louis Cardinals since 2011. Let's go. <laughs> Which was uh, very cool. 
Very cool moment. That was another one of those Twitter moments where you kind of get a gauge for who who loves baseball. Um, it was a big nostalgia feel seeing Pools hit a home run, not just for the Cardinals, but in St. Louis. Uh, I, I did the math. I was actually... I was I was driving and I was like, wait, all right, so 2011, all right, figure this out. Tom, call it like 11 years old. I, I googling hot. What grade are you in when you're 11? Sixth grade. Okay, so that's middle school. All right, so I can make this tweet. Uh, there are middle school students who haven't lived to see a day that Albert Pujols hit a home run as a St. Louis Cardinal. And thinking about that, like going back in my head to when I was in sixth grade, being like, wow, I. You feel like you've been along alive for a long time by that point. Uh, it is it is kind of odd to think about. Um, like obviously, I remember Albert Pujols hitting home runs with the St. Louis Cardinals. I have an Albert Pujols St. Louis Cardinals World Series jersey, um, and to have it have been that long, and for him to end up back there and to have that moment, it's not even like it's not even like one of those things. Like we're we're, we're going to sign Albert Pools to a one day contract or whatever, so he can come back, hit one more, and ride off into the sunset. This dude is twenty home runs shy of seven hundred. That's attainable if he's still able to hit home runs. And we were kind of talking about this before. He's listed at what forty two. Yeah. <laughs> He's listed at 42 years old. He turned 42 in January. But he's got to be like 46. <laughs> he's got to be f- at least 46 years old and getting major league contracts, signing signing with a contender, and then hitting home runs against big league pitching when... Like, think about how much easier it must have been <laughs> to hit a home run in, in 2001 compared to 2022. The the shit and how nasty it's gotten over the years and the uptick in velocity. Like, he's he's seen it all. He has seen the evolution of the powerhouses of, of arms in baseball. And he is still at the tender age of 47 able to hit home runs. How old do you really think he is? I mean, the birth certificate says 42. How the fuck old do you think he is? <laughs> I think 44. I mean, 44? 44. Sounds right. Two years. I have two years. They don't lie that much. There was they an can't. article There was an article written a while ago um, where, where it was disclosed that he was playing on a team with another player who got to who was you know had a had a good big league career um and that player was a couple years older than albert and well the team that they were playing on when they were younger was an age specific team so if you're on that team then that would kind of make you that age right mm-hmm. and if that guy is a couple years older than what you're listed at well, then that could raise the question to, you know, well, hey, if you were on a 14 or whatever, you know, your old team and you're now this old, well, that doesn't, I don't know if that matches up. So I just said, Jared, the birth certificate says, that, he's, 40, says he's 42 years old. That guy could be lying too. That's probably that, exactly. 
There's there's remember? a lot of fabrication going on in in, in the you world. Know, I I can't I, I can't believe that it's just specific to Albert. I mean, I almost made a video about this, but I don't know. I wasn't really around them. But in 2001, like 300 players from the Dominican Republic got exposed, and their all ages changed overnight. 300. Overnight. Well, I play. I played with a couple. On the list, I played with a guy who got two years older and had a completely different name, <laughs> Fausto Carmona. No, what was his real name? Roberto Hernandez. Yes, Roberto Hernandez is his real name. Fausto Carmona was his original name. That's um, why, like, I forget what's. I know he started Fausto Car- Fausto Carmona started with the the Indians at the time. But whatever, like once it got found out that like your real name is Roberto Hernandez, um, who had a, a completely different birthday. Like I remember his, I forget what team it was, but his teammates did a birthday cake yeah. for Fausto Carmona yes. and one for Roberto Hernandez. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they gave yeah, a I birthday played, cake for both, per, for both people. I played with a guy named Jairo Garcia who took the world by storm was punching people out left and right, just super nasty shit. Um, got to the big leagues like it, in 19 days. From the time he got to the minor leagues, it took him 19 days to get to the big leagues. And, you know, had a had a good run at it and then turned into Santiago Casilla. Jairo Garcia turned into Santiago Casilla, and he got a little older. And yeah, that happened overnight. And and we had, you know, he was, he's a great dude, a great dude. Um, he was actually one of the guys that like, when we'd go to New York, <clears throat> um, I'd go to little Dominican with him and go have lunch every day and shit. Awesome dude. Uh, but we just tell him, Poppy, you get, you have two birthdays this year. You know, like what happened? You know? <laughs> did you, did you ever see that interview of them? Like exposing Tejada for it? Yes. Yeah. E60. It's the most awkward shit ever. It's like, well, he's, he's with the Astros by that point. Yeah. Yeah. That was very, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, it's It's crazy. It's uncomfortable. The guy is being a fucking asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't feel like it's that big of a deal. And first of all, it's like if one person lies about their age, everyone has to lie about their age because it fucks everyone over. Like, and especially in the Dominican, when you're 17, you're like 20 here. Like, that's like you're washed when you're 17 because they sign when they're like 16. Yeah, 15. Taha- 15 yeah, and Tahada, Tahada Tahada says, signed when he was 15 and a half. Apparently, he, he did like 16 tryouts for the A's and then changed his age and then got signed immediately. Hey, that makes sense. <laughs> Both sides just looking for a deal, man. <laughs> yeah. Why not? It is very, it's very odd. And that's why th- there was, uh, you'll find that there are some um, Latin born families who will name their sons all the same name so that whichever one is the best at baseball, they get the youngest birth certificate. I don't know. Sounds that, like a plan to me. Yeah. <laughs> like Sounds like a plan to me. I don't like, think they can really pull it off anymore, though. The hell like, you can't. I think that's you the think best still, way to do it. If you're going to do it. But do you think how many people now are coming up changing their ages? They caught 300 players in one day. Oh, no, I that shit's like, happening. That, it's still happening. All right, let's say names then. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm, <laughs> not saying that I, I'm not saying that I know these people. Rugnet Odor is definitely one of them. 
<laughs> Why? Are you because all of his brothers are called, are named Rugnet? You think you think he just fucking was the the youngest and the best? Is that is that what's happening to Vladdy too? Because is there Vladdy more than one coming. Vladdy? Yeah, there, there's another. Ba- yeah, there's they a have, fucking fifteen year old menace that's just destroying fucking baseball. But his name is not Vladdy. Oh, is it not? I thought it was like Vlad. Uh, what are you sure? I mean, Vlad, 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 Big Daddy Vladdy's got fucking like twenty kids. They have a fucking huge. They have a YouTube channel. They have a compound in the DR, and it's like thou- there's like a thousand Guerreros. They all play all day. It's dope. <laughs> there's it's a thousand sick. Guerreros. They have a compound. It's awesome, bro. You gotta check out their channel. It's all in Spanish. It's hard to follow, but it's dope. But Vladimir Guerrero Sr. got caught for lying about his age too. He like accidentally admitted to it in an interview. And then had to tell the team. <laughs> oh, shit about that. Yeah, my bad. I am actually. <laughs> Whoops. Forgot to tell you. Is it Pablo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. There's another. There's another Vladdy. But it's V-L-A-D-I. Vladdy. Yeah, it's not Vladdy. It's Vladdy. 15-year-old phenom Pablo Guerrero and Vladdy Miguel Guerrero. Oh, man. There's another one coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like no a storm. Policy. Wow. Yeah, by the way, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. gets his motherfucking hand stepped on after he had already hit one. And then mashes another two. I kind of like my my MVP pick. I'm gonna end up. It's going right well. There. Yeah, it's, it's going, going well so far. Yeah, going well. He had three. My MVP pick. He's got a couple grand slams. Joe Rem. How about Logan Webb slicing and dicing? Shout out to the Web Slinger. What did he do? Absolutely carved last night. Seven strong. Might have been. Mm. Eight. I think it was seven strong. Mm. Just nastiness. Who's been your biggest surprise this year for both of you? So far, six games. <laughs> the six games into it, biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be the Guardians' offense. The fucking Rockies are in first. <laughs> the fucking Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's the fucking Rockies. Is, is it okay? Is it okay that I'm still just kind of flabbergasted by what's going on with Bellinger? Didn't yeah. he homer yesterday? Yeah, he did. Yeah, but but I mean, it's like man, he had a tough spring. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, I feel like we've all been there. Had an off spring, and um, you know, it's it's how you come back from that. <laughs> well, let's hope that homer is is uh, is the sign of that. The jumping off point. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Dodgers as a team. After that Bellinger home run, the Dodgers as a team had two home runs on the whole season. I mean, I I thought Mookie Betts was hurt. Uh, I was like, did they not? Did they not start Freddie Freeman yet? Because I didn't see any of their names pop up. I didn't see any of their highlights. Nothing. So I was like, okay, um, then Mookie must be hurt. Then I tuned in yesterday. I was like, oh, there he is. He's perfectly fine. He's just not doing dick. 
a lot of guys not doing dick. And then you have the back-to-back-to-back home runs, which always seems to happen after like that put a star next to a play in a perfect game. Gavin Lux with the play up the middle. Uh, he was part of the three, uh, the back-to-back-to-back home runs is Gavin Lux. Um, Max Muncy. I don't know if Muncy was part of it. I think he just homered in it. Oh. I think it was Austin Barnes, Gavin Lux, and... Bellinger. Bellinger. Bellinger was the first of three? I think for sure. I think he hit it that. I think so. I was watching it, but I can't remember. But he did hit a home run, and there was back-to-back-to-back. He did hit a home run, and there was back-to-back-to-back. And there was no perfect game. Definitely not a perfect game. Not everyone can do what, what Dallas Braden was able to do. Yeah, I'm surprised you're rooting for that. If I was you, I'd be like, fuck that guy. <laughs> don't. <laughs> you fuck. Don't know. I want to keep that list short. No, I just, you know, you know, Joey, when you, it look, was at me, you look at me, you look at Clayton Kershaw, um, we're, we're essentially the same guy. So I just wanted him. I know what it's done for my life and I know what it could do for his, you know, like he's he's right there on the cusp of being able to live that that incredible like baseball godlike life. Mm-hmm. He's right there. And I felt like that was really gonna push him over. So um it's yeah, it's it's too bad it didn't happen and he'll just have to live a a life of normality from here on out. Yeah. He'll just be the mortal Clayton. That's it. Yep. That's Immortality denied. Uh, all right. Sketchers. We, we gotta get the fuck out of here because <laughs> Dallas Dallas has to catch the A's bus or they're gonna leave his ass in Tampa. Uh, but we will be back on Monday. Again, that's going to be the normal recording schedule is we're going to record Monday mornings and Thursday mornings, and then we'll, we'll turn it around as soon as possible. Um, so enjoy this weekend's games. We'll have more for you uh, on Monday morning. And uh, Dallas, Joey, any final thoughts? Nope. Thank no. you for watching. <laughs> Good talk, Joe. Good talk. <laughs> A's headed to Toronto, oh, Carabas. Right. Headed to Toronto. I hope and we'll get to bus. see. We'll get to see Matt Chapman, Ugh. and I'll get to see those cakes up close. Mm-hmm. I'll get to see that wagon up close. Yeah, maybe That's I'll get to be- see our good friend Matt. Send picks. Will do. We go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.